Welcome to Experience Cast from the QOE, where we bring you insights about customer and employee experience to offer new perspectives on organizational performance. Now, while it's impossible to predict how the coronavirus pandemic will develop, businesses are having to try and develop some idea of what the next few months will look like. At our monthly QOE online sessions, we're bringing together a cross-sector panel of professionals to look at how businesses are developing their approach to customer and employee experience. And in this episode of Experience Cast, I'm delighted to be able to bring you our recent QOE online debate, where we examined what the near future looks like for businesses, different ways in which businesses could adapt to the next phase of lockdown, and some of the things that customers and employees are likely to need over the next few months. And before we start, I'd just like to introduce our panel for the debate, who are Phil Dix, Head of Performance Improvement at World Remit, Belal Abbas, Group Customer Experience Manager at BMW Park Lane, Stuart Bromley, COO at Atom Bank, Tim Kitchener, a Customer Experience Strategist currently working with Ford Group, James Kay, former Head of Business Change at Home Group and currently working with Beyond House, Katie Pierce, Head of Customer Experience at Vodafone Business, Jonathan Can, Global Head of CRM at Namecheap, and Carl Lyon, the CX and EX Thought Leader and Discussion Chair of the QOE. Carl, over to you. Marvellous. Thank you and welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us in this new environment. Um, as Tony mentioned, um, the QOE has been going for 15 years now, and uh, several people on this call have been with us for, for many years. And I was just reflecting on the major uh, things that had happened during that time. Um, obviously, when we started this, customer experience itself was new. Um, then we had sort of mass adoption of, of, uh, of, of the World Wide Web, actually, and commerce started to go online. Um, then we had digital devices that led to, to self-service. Um, we had the financial crisis. Um, we've had the rise of data and how we use data. Um, more recently, we've had um, employee experience. And I was just reflecting that where we are now um, is really uh, on a par with all of those um, and has an element of each one of them in it. And it's a really interesting stage for us to get to um, where we're looking now at what is going to happen over the next three weeks. It looks likely that the, the uh, lockdown we're currently in is going to be extended for another three weeks. Then there'll, then there'll be um, a period of loosening that lockdown, but we don't know what that looks like yet. Um, and it's challenging us all on, on many fronts to deal with today, uh, but to look at the coming weeks um, certainly to deal with uh, some of the pressures that are forming already within organizations and individuals. And then what are we going to look at? What, what's going to happen afterwards when we start to come out of this? So uh, that's the sort of background to, to, to this session. Um, I wonder what if I, if I could, um, perhaps I won't start with Katie today. Um, I do pick on Katie uh, first usually. So um, uh, perhaps I won't pick on Katie today or, or perhaps I will. Um, uh, so let's just get, get, get to your break. Stuart, um, you were with us with the last session. Um, how have things developed over the last couple of weeks? Um, and are you now looking beyond or, or are you still dealing with today's issues? Uh, well, a bit of both, I think. We, we, we've still got issues that we're dealing with on a daily basis. You know, being a, being a regulated bank, we have to provide services to customers and, and our customers uh, are having difficulties, uh, understandably. Um, so, you know, so our, our primary response is, is to those guys. Um, and therefore, we're still dealing with the, the I guess, the... the the, the the issues that they're they're facing on a daily basis, payment holidays for our 
mortgages and our business lending uh, in particular. Um, uh, we operationally, I think we've uh, we've moved to home working pretty early on within a couple of weeks, um, and I think we're now at the stage where that's pretty much stabilised. But there's still definitely areas for improvement. So things like uh, DSE, you know, uh, desks, screens, equipment, um, chairs. You know, people. You know, again, people are still trying to put in, especially operationally. You know, the usual shifts. Uh, and if you don't have the same facilities at home. Yeah, it can yeah it can can just be disruptive, right? Um, uh, to health and well-being, and and therefore we're now at the phase of trying to equip people with whatever they need to be comfortable from that regard working from home. So so there's still I guess my point is there's still lots of things that we are doing and can do just to get to the stage where you can be as productive and as efficient. Uh, working in a remote type capacity than than if you were all in the office, right? So yeah, I think we still got a ways to go on that. But equally, then we're also planning the next phase. So next phase, from a customer perspective, what's going to happen next? Um, uh, so, for example, on payment holidays, when the holidays uh, cease and they're going to have to have increased payments, can they afford it? Collections, activities, all those sorts of things. So we're starting to plan out all of those sorts of things. But also, we're planning should should uh, the restrictions be lifted. Do we start bringing some people back into the office? I don't think we would want to bring everyone back in all in one go. That would be crazy. Uh, but we're always planning who would we bring back, why would we bring them back, on what basis would we bring them back. So we're always starting to plan those activities out as well uh, so that if, if things change, we know what we'll do. So, yeah, I, you know, planning is, is definitely uh, already, already occurring. So just if I could, Stuart, so the sort of efficiency of your people at the moment <laughs> Difficult question, but where do you think that is? Is it sixty percent, eighty percent? Well, well I, I can actually tell you, because I mean, we actually surveyed. You know, so it's a survey, so it's a self-assessment survey. Uh, but I can also tell you from a contact perspective as well. So, on a self self-assessment perspective, we've got about fifteen percent of our overall workforce saying they're more productive working at home. Um, we've got about forty percent saying they're as productive. And the rest are either slightly less productive or a lot less productive, right? From a, from a contact perspective, our biggest issue is voice. Uh, so we support, uh, all our people can support all the various media channels, voice, chat, email, etc., social. Um, and actually, just because of the nature of um, what, we're, what our customers are facing, the predominant channel they want to use is voice. But interestingly, that's the least uh, option available to us at the moment. And that's just because even though we can take voice from home, uh, we have uh, lots of our employees um, have uh, noisy households or they have other people in the same space and therefore we can't be discussing confidential customer information yeah. openly in that environment. And therefore we switch those sorts of people to chat and email only, but yet the predominant channel of choice just because of the nature of what's going on is voice at the moment. And therefore, you know, we're, 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 I guess we're struggling to, to square that circle, right? Um, so, yeah, so there are those sorts of dynamics that, yeah, you have to think through and, and try, and, try and work on. So, so service, and therefore we're not as productive, we're not as efficient uh, in terms of how we run and operate our, our contact services than we would have been if we were all back in the office. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that pans out, especially this uh, predominance to move to voice. Um, and people wanting voice during a, a, a time of crisis and how that how that moves forward. Um, okay, so um, uh, 
Bilal, um, welcome, welcome to the QOE. It's good to have you with us. Um, Bilal, you're your uh, BMW Park Lane. We um, met a few weeks ago. It seems like an eternity ago now. Um, uh, before this, all just before this started. So, um, how has this affected uh, you guys? Give, just give people a little insight into what you do and, and, and Park Lane, BMW Park Lane, and then how this has affected it. What yeah, your day to day work? Yeah, I, I mean, of course, we're very much a retail centric uh, business. So we, uh, we we rely on our customers being able to access us, contact us in some way, shape, or form. Um, I guess unlike many of our peers and, and others in a similar position, we have the advantage of being sort of pre all of this already in a position where we conducted sort of circa 70% of our business remotely anyway, uh, purely because of our central location uh, and uh, and sort of the um, being part of the, um, of course, the overall BMW UK group as opposed to a franchise dealer, we had access to some of these things in advance anyway. So we've got you know, um, Skype telephony and, uh, you know, email and, and mobile phones and, and all that kind of stuff. So remote working, albeit it wasn't something that was done, um, we had access to all of the IT infrastructure to, to allow us to do so. Um, so typically, you know, our teams would be based uh, within the, sh the sort of showroom environment uh, and dealing with customers that way. Um, obviously, before we kind of went into a furlough period with the teams, which is what we're currently sitting in now, um, we had a lot of our guys for the very first time um, for us and, and within their careers because as an industry we're not really set up to, to sort of work remotely it's very much <clears throat> showroom or office centric and we had some the guys working remotely and, and it kind of worked fairly well for the sort of week or so that we had it on the go um, but of course uh, inevitably uh, like many retail businesses cash flow starts becoming a concern and an issue when business isn't transacting as normal and, and naturally uh, like many others, we have adopted the furlough uh, opportunity from the, from the government. So we've gone from a sort of across group sales team, circa 150 people down to a handful of individuals, including myself, who are now manning the fort, so to speak, and, and still having to deal with everything that, that you know, from our customer's perspective, um, you know, needs to be dealt with. So it's it's been challenging, so to speak. Um, it's been eye opening, um, as we kind of discussed uh, when we spoke uh, yesterday, I believe as well, it's, it's kind of realized an opportunity for us where we've been trying to survive and just get through it and make sure that, of course, um, you know, our, our experience is as best as it can be. The customers are, are getting the feedback that they need. Updates are being provided. Guidance and, and support is there as, as well as still trying to conduct some type of retail business at the same time. Um, it's, it's now trying to sort of forward plan what the next steps are. Um, in, in terms of how we not only survive, but actually how do we grow from here? How do we phase back in? Is it ever going to go back to normal? Are we now going to utilize this as an opportunity to sort of introduce shift patterns, working from home and all the type of stuff that is very much alien within our industry? We've, uh, you know, as I mentioned to you, it's something that I was looking at as a digitization piece for the business anyway. Uh, our hands now have been forced to look at that now as opposed to sort of gradually um, you know, introduce it over the next year or two. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting uh, times for us and, and sort of, from my perspective, really trying to look at it as an opportunity to to grow and increase and, and, and both for our employee experience and for, for customer. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to sort of see where it goes from here, you know, in the next yeah. sort of two to four weeks. 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because we were talking, as I say, when we first met before this, was all ha- this all happened, about the need for your industry, um, not necessarily just BMW, but for your industry to, to, uh, to make a change, a fundamental change. Um, we had Honda um, as part of this group for quite a long time as well. And even back three or four years ago, they were looking at the franchise model and saying, is this the right way of doing it? Um, are we ever going to go to a different selling model um, and get away from the showrooms? So this could be a really interesting agent for change, I guess, in your environment. So thank you, but I will come back to that. Um, James, if, if, if I could, we were talking uh, last week, um, I think you found as well in um, where you are in, in housing, that some people are, are, are adapting quickly, but in your environment, there's a lot of people that are struggling. Would that be right? Yes. <clears throat> um... And I would say there's probably a little bit of a split between when you say struggling customers and um, staff, as well as, I suppose, the, the level of management thinking. So if, if one tries to take those in turn, from a business perspective, I think it's very much a total focus on managing and <clears throat> maintaining what I would deem probably business continuity. Um, the, 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 the whole thinking process of uh, looking to improve the business um, has just gone very much on hold. And I tried to put that into the context of um, Beyond Housing is a recently formed organisation following a merger between two other housing associations um, and my own role as uh, developing the new target operating model. So all of that has pretty much gone on hold whilst we look at just hanging in there uh, to undertake emergency work, uh, I guess, on customers. Uh, When we look at the customers, there is concern about letting um, hairy-arsed builders or uh, plasterers or bricklayers into people's homes um, to do work. There's that, that, that sort of sense of isolation. Uh, bearing in mind, we also have over 50% of our customers are over 55. Um, and something like 18 to 20% are 70 plus. So there's a real kind of nervousness in terms of what, what this um, segmentation group is, is uh, uh, most at risk of uh, with coronavirus. But then secondly, not letting people in. From a compliance perspective, that brings a real challenge because, of course, we have to be undertaking annual gas boiler surveys and checks, etc. People are not actually letting us into their homes. So all of that fear is being built up. Um, and then from a staff perspective, we've got probably about 20% of the workforce are off. And bearing in mind, over half the workforce in the organisation are the boots on the ground that are, out, are going out and doing this um, repair work or maintenance work. Twenty um, odd percent is a large chunk, far larger in terms of sickness absence rate than we've previously uh, encountered. So yeah, I think struggling on a number of different levels in terms of senior management's thinking, um, and in terms of the the doers. Uh, an activity actually that being done uh, and the ability to do it um yeah it's it's interesting as you go into different segments the different um 
problems that are building up. Uh, Stuart already mentioned problems building up in um, people having to um, uh, repay the, the period of, of time they've not been paying their mortgage, etc. Um, they'll be the same with servicing of cars. And it's interesting with, with, with where you are, uh, customers, you know, not letting your people in. Um, and that's coming up against regulation, and we're seeing that again in a, in a lot of different places. Um, thank, thank you, James. Yeah, sorry, James, you want to? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, part and parcel of, of um, some of that thinking is also recognizing that we've had a lot of work has literally been cancelled. We're only focusing on the emergencies. So we also recognize that once we are through this, what is the thinking out of the other side? I all of the heads are thinking about today, 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 today. No one is thinking about when we're coming out of lockdown, what does that actually mean? We are going to have a large spike of work that um, has, has been cancelled and work that will probably be two months worth that has never been raised yet. So large spike there a continued um, spike of sickness. We're coming into a uh, holiday summer period shortly, where again, we would expect to see an inflated um, holiday rate. And then we're going to get the winter spike coming fairly quickly, sort of October, September, October, large, large spike of work as well. So for ourselves, we're going to jump potentially from spike to spike, which is a very different uh, working uh, calendar than we've been used to as well. Summer has always been a quiet period to allow us to play a bit of catch up, which is no longer going to be there. Yeah, it, um, it, it's going to be interesting, James, isn't it? Because we we also don't know how the uh, how this is going to play out in uh, which industries are going to allow to go, uh, you know, freed up to go back to work early. You know, um, lots of different groups are suffering from that spike. Um, we're now hearing lots about you know. Um, uh, vegetables in the fields and with nobody to pick them etc where other industries have got nobody have got no work so how are we going to how are we going to um from the employee point of view um handle that migration from one industry to the to the other it's going to be interesting but it is nothing i mean stuart mentioned it as well in terms of things like uh, i guess um we've got customers who should be paying us every week um, you know, we've got a lot of people who've been furloughed, laid off, not securing the the normal amount of regular income. So as an organization, we're going to have reduced income. Um, at what point um, is it going to be morally right to start chasing customers to say you, you, you've got a you know, thousand pounds um, in arrears? Uh, you know, when and how are you going to pay that back? Um, at what point do we start banging on people's doors saying, no, we are demanding to come in because you not letting us doing the gas servicing means your neighbours aren't safe. Um, so there's that, that, again, that step change between what is what we would normally do versus trying to recognise individuals' emotional needs, physical concerns, mental concerns uh, to address as well. And again, that's, that's something that... Um, we've not necessarily had to consider before. Yeah, I, I agree. We're, we're living in, um, talking to lots of different people, we're living in a, uh, an emotional environment where doing the right thing has become a normal, where it's not usually. When we try and reverse that, I think we talked about, a little bit about this last time, as we try to reverse out of that, 
then the decision making within organisations is going to be very, very difficult. Because as we know, some people will have genuine need. Um, other people, unfortunately, will be trying to play the system. Um, and that we, we need to re respond to both those. So let me just get around some more people, uh, some other people. Phil, with the jazzy background. Um, World Remit, where are you guys? Um, what's it been like? Have you managed to redeploy everybody um, out out home, etc. I've seen on LinkedIn that you, you've been commenting lots of stuff and, and doing lots of great things to get people working at home. How's, how's it gone? Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting time uh, for us all uh, in more ways than one. We're 100% home uh, working now um, and that has been an absolute challenge. Uh, I'm not sure if getting them back will be a harder challenge, but we've got them there. Uh, and we've got them there across four sites in Denver, uh, the Philippines, in Cebu, South Africa, in London. So we've had some lots of uh, local challenges with infrastructure, VPN, core quality. As Stuart uh, referred to earlier, voice seems to be the, the choice of customers for, for, for that human contact as opposed to digital channels. So we're seeing an increase in, in comfort calls, uh, driving up the volume. But in terms of getting one uh, everyone home, uh, we are successful now and we've, we've rose to that challenge of, of getting people home. So you could argue that was our BCP, as James said, the continuity program. How do we get people home? Um, I'd like to pick up on a, another comment. I think Stuart said we're doing a bit of both from what was business continuity into what is now business as usual. And some of those lines have become blurred of what activity, what initiatives and activity we did two weeks ago are now becoming the norm. Uh, we've accelerated things like self-serve but we were always going to do that anyway. It's just we prioritized a lot more of that, that activity for customers to self-serve. So we're now in, uh, limbo is not the right word, but we're in between a disaster recovery and business as normal because every day that goes past becomes more and more the norm. Um, we have challenges on the day-to-day -day, uh, with our contact centers, core quality, uh, people living with large families, etc. And, uh, and as Stuart said, when you're regulated by financial authority, you have to be super careful with data and, and fraud and security. So we have daily challenges. Um, the coronavirus continues to be a challenge for us globally as we offer things like cash pickup. And for some families, if those stores and shops at local level aren't open, uh, that means cash pickups no longer available for those families. So we are suffering um, as part of the, the, the ongoing measures to combat corona but like Stuart we're planning to get people home so this week we've got an update from from Cebu for example we may scale people back in and uh, as people have referred it'll be on a need to get people back what do they do what can they contribute in an office but we'll do that across all four sites and slowly look to plan to get people back because um, believe it or not I miss them and I want them back just because we can all work from home doesn't necessarily mean that we should um, but we're getting there. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Okay. It'll be it'll be interesting in your environment. Again, you're splitting into into um, rightly into the employee and the business side of things. And what does this do for your future operating model? Um, and uh, also the, the new things for customers because you, you you do money transfer around the world in lots of different areas. So um, as you say, there's lots of different ways of people getting hold of that cash or not getting hold of that cash at the end of the day. So there's a whole new uh, set of scenarios and um, 
new expectations from customers, new ways of customers of doing things. Um, so we haven't only got to decide what we're going to do from a business perspective about which we adopt and keep and which we go back, go back to where we used to do things. We've got a whole load of customer expectations and new customer behaviors that we need to think about. Are they going to go back or are we going to try and push them back to where they were? Or are we going to try and encourage people to, to take a new, you know, sustain that new approach? It'll, it'll be interesting. So if I may, um, Carl, can I just bring a quick, quick question from the chat just because, um, yeah. James mentioned the F word, the furlough word. Um, and uh, it, it was just the, the interesting question, which was uh, just around uh, what's the impact in terms of uh, well, what are people seeing in terms of motivation for people who haven't been furloughed? Because obviously some people are in the situation where they're seeing people uh, at home on uh, nearly full pay while they're having to remain working. So just thought I'd bring that in because it'd be interesting to hear if people are seeing some kind of impact uh, or effect on, on employee motivation. Anyone, anyone got any thoughts on that? In relation to the furlough, I think some of the you know some of the benefits. I, I, it'd be remiss of me not to mention we have zero attendance issues. <laughs> Everybody's getting out of bed and opening the laptop. So behaviours such as tardiness, being late for shifts, and logging on and schedule adherence, we're seeing great productivity uh, from managers all the way down and all the way up. We're seeing huge amounts of productivity, and that will have to at some point change. People will have to be disciplined and i think the people who are working are working incredibly hard um whilst some people are left frustrated that actually if i was furloughed i wouldn't have to be putting in this amount of shifts so we are feeling a bit of that uh, through the company yeah and also uh, to build on that um i was talking to somebody earlier who's working in the hospitality and uh that is becoming an issue um people that are furloughed on 80 percent and not traveling um, are doing really, you know, are okay in that environment. A lot of them are saying, this is quite a nice place to be. So they've been talking about how they rotate the furlough, um, which is interesting. They're also talking about in restaurants, if they open up restaurants, um, but you can only have 20% of the capacity you used to, who's going to work and who's not going to work? Um, other people not working are going to lose their jobs or are they going to remain to be furloughed? Uh, while the other people are working. So, again, it's another problem we're storing up, I think, another issue uh, storing up. Atom, we, we haven't really had any of those motivational issues, uh, and, and actually we, we thought we might get some, but I think it's down to the rationale of why some people were furloughed and not others. You know, in our environment, we, we played it very, very clean. We have furloughed now about 70-ish people, but it was based on the fact that the residential mortgage market had come to a standstill because no one can buy any houses at the moment because they can't get valuations, they can't move, they can't get conveyance or anything else. So we just took, so it was very clean, people who were involved in residential mortgages, originations, we furloughed. And therefore it becomes a very, very clear business rational decision on why we've done that because we, we can't gainfully employ them as we can others, right? So I think as long as you're really clear by the rationale of what you're doing and why you're doing it, I think you can avoid any of these sort of emotive type stuff that goes on. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks. Yeah, I, th I think one of the challenges, Stuart, is where there's no differentiation um, uh, which is which in, in role, uh, which is becoming challenging. Can I just go to, to Tim? Tim, um, how are things at Ford? Um, Give a people an idea of what you're doing there and, and how it's how it's being effect, affected or, or not affected from your perspective. Um, it's really interesting because I think like a lot of people um, on the panel, we Ford are operating a sort of a, a dual furlough, non-furlough uh, approach. 
Um, so there are some people that are still working and there are obviously others that are on furlough. Um, so from my personal perspective in terms of the engagement I've got with Ford at the moment, um, it hasn't actually changed a great deal. Um, and interestingly, Katie, I think on uh, um, the last QOE call, you actually mentioned that you know, you've been more busy um, since you've been working from home than you were in the office. Um, and I think that's, that's certainly something that's beginning to creep in now a little bit, where what's happening is that because there isn't a commute, the commute is to a laptop, you open up the laptop and you're at work. So you can be opening up the laptop at, and I've seen it on, um, uh, with people on the call, they're, they're opening the laptop at 18 minutes past seven in the morning. Um, and they're still going through the entire day. So, you know, you still see them online at eight or nine o'clock. And I think it's interesting that at the beginning of the, the sort of the whole COVID um, uh, outbreak, there was almost that sort of blitz type mentality. It's like, oh, you know what, we'll, we'll push through this. It will all be over by Christmas. Fantastic. But I think there's now beginning to see a bit of realism creeping in going, actually, we can't sustain this level of... Um, uh, productivity and I use that word advisedly um, I still get a sense that there is there is busy fools out there there's lots of people out there being very busy for busy sake but are they actually achieving anything meaningful or adding any any value to it um, so I think there's there's a lot of sorts of combinations that are coming through but I think for me that there's two two really good things that have come out of this if there is anything good that's come out of it, or sorry, three things, it's like Spanish Inquisition, two, two key weapons are. Um, so the first one is the focus on wellness within employees. Um, I think that is a really, really strong positive that's come out of that. I think everyone that you talk to, every organization that you talk to, their focus has rightly been with their people. They're recognizing that their people are their biggest asset and they have been focusing on that. I think that's been really, really positive. I think the second thing as well is this, this whole flexible working. Um, you know, we're rigidly chained to a nine to five. Um, but this, this working from home, this um, uh, flexible working approach, I think is definitely, definitely, without a shadow of doubt now, proved it is feasible. Is it desirable in all, all industries? possibly possibly not um but the ability to to move away from this fixed rigid time you know between nine and five thirty i'm at work do i have to be you know could could we change that so i think i think this again has has, has proven that um um beyond all, all shadow of a doubt um and there was a third thing but i've been rambling on so long now i've completely forgotten what the third thing excellent. was excellent um a couple of things there uh it was just before, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think just before all this happened, Barclays Bank were um, given a really hard time in the press because they introduced some technology that um, measured when their employees were logged on and active, and they were using that as a measure of um, employee engagement. And everybody jumped up and down and said, that's not good enough. But now we're starting to accept being logged on um, as um, working. And that's not necessarily the case, is it? Just because people are logged in that they're working. Mm -hmm. So uh, that expectation, as you said, around, around wellness and what we measure, and that has changed for the moment, but it's going to be very interesting to see how it changes back. Because once you've opened the door on wellness and well-being, um, it's difficult to rein back from it. Can I, can I come to Jonathan? Jonathan, it's interesting because, you, you know, 
we all know you're, you're, you work for a virtual company, so you've been working at home for quite a long time and your team has been. Even your, your, you now are seeing the difference in this environment? Um, yeah, so yes, so the answer is yes to that question. I think the added, you have now added influences on the work, on the working from home. So yeah, my team based in UK, Canada, Ukraine, elsewhere, um, suddenly now have their environment, which they created over the last three years of working from home in a routine has now been uh, changed. Um, not to the extreme that people, you know, people working from an office now have to work from home, but now we've got kids running around. Now you've got the, the home learning piece. Uh, now we've had Easter holidays. So that threw another curveball into it. Um, and these are minor issues, absolutely minor issues. But suddenly the kids who had a schedule from work, from school, didn't. Um, and then you go, okay, I've got to entertain kids who... Um, I've got to entertain kids for two weeks and uh, lucky enough, I've got a garden there, but there are people in two bedroom flats in North London who haven't. And you can imagine not only you've got the pressure of the news and you've got the pressure of people being ill, but you've also got pressure of kids wanting to be entertained, needing to be entertained, needing to chat. That adds a whole different dilemma to that working from home issue. Um, I also have my wife who wants to work from home as well. And I get told you're doing that and you're doing that. And it's okay. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. So we have to share. It's that sharing. You have to share. I've been saying that quite a lot these last two weeks. Um, you have to share a lot. Um, so it, it's, it's communication. Um, but in, in these are minor issues. These are tiny things. And in the scheme of what some of the guys have been talking about, it's, it's really small. Um, the interesting element I found from just looking at from a customer perspective, and it's interesting that we talked about ours are, I mean, I, I always try and look at the customer, you know, how we change our, our how we're working. The customer is also changing how they're buying. And in, so we don't have weekends anymore. Our sales figures are now going Monday, Tuesday, and they, they dip slightly on the weekend, but people are buying and purchasing, interacting actually across the week there is not ups and downs it's quite flat which is really interesting and our easter is flat because no one's going out so therefore you know i'm selling domain names and and security online we've actually seen very little dips it's very very flat so we're seeing those interactions change so customer interaction or who they're talking to when they're talking to they don't have the nine to five anymore that it's through you don't have monday to friday it's actually through the whole week so i i found that's really really interesting to see that not only are you know we're having changing but customer because they're being forced to stay indoors they're changing their buying behavior they're changing how they're influencing what they're reading when they're reading it so that was just an interesting snippet i thought i'd add there's a couple of things that are interesting is well the changing customer behavior and as i said earlier i'll be going to adopt that and support it um but also when it comes to making decisions about who comes back into the office and who doesn't come back into the office i know it's not relevant in your case um but are we going to be making allowances for the fact that are we going to uh say right everyone with children uh you come back to the office and i'll be allowed to do that um so that that's going to be an interesting one um i was going to pick up with you katie actually um uh, after our last conversations it was, it was sort of ref i was reflecting on it and thinking um at the time, 
the the impact on you has been all your people going home and you working at home but changes in customer behavior hadn't really seemed to affected you yet are they now are you starting now to see the same sort of dynamic as a change with a change of customer behavior um that's a good one i mean we're obviously customers are moving much more digital i would say it's it's less about i would say the way they're necessarily interacting with us there's a definite change in terms of of how we can help them and what they're asking for so you know certainly there there is a lot more around some of the collaboration tools we sell you know advice we can give on remote working uh, i mean obviously we've got customers you know as with you know banking and, and mortgageology saying you know I, I just can't pay you know my, my yeah. business has, has just disappeared right so so we're obviously dealing dealing with things like that and but i think probably what we're looking at more is you know we are typically a very um people heavy organization in terms of how we deal with our customers you know we are we have account yeah, managers yeah. And, and and so i think what we will probably see and you know talking about kind of short term versus long term coming coming out the back of this um i think we will we will see our digital strategy accelerate in terms of maybe shifting some of these customers away from that very direct relationship with account managers more into into the digital world um but i think really you know for for us particularly in our kind of like head office global function that the focus is yeah you know, obviously helping customers with their immediate problems but it is so focused on the, the employees at the moment um mm. you know, and i think tim's point around you know last time i was talking about how busy we are you know that that wasn't just me and i think that's been recognized um so there are now some not rules or but guidelines in place so um we will try and avoid internal meetings between 11 30 and 1 every day and avoid internal meetings uh, on wednesday mornings um to give people a, an opportunity to actually get some work done or also just to go and take a break and or do some personal tasks or or whatever that might be right and uh, there is that kind of realization that um you know, you, you can't just every day keep going but at the rate we were the first the first couple of weeks. And this is week five now for us in because we started yeah. a week before official lockdown. Um, so I think we are starting to balance out a little bit from that initial full pelt. We will all be re reproductive. We won't let this stop us to actually creating some separation. Yeah, there's a there's a good there's a good um, train of thought that says we haven't actually reached the new normal yet. No, um, definitely not. Uh, because of all those factors, as everyone's been saying, um, working at home uh, to start with is, is one thing and getting everybody home. But then um, the thought of staying at home or not staying at home and other factors start to come in, having to share the home with, with different people. Um, uh, everyone's quite you know, rightly worried about um, uh, some of the mental strain that's putting on, on families and relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I don't think we're the new normal yet. I don't think we're, I, we're not really at the new normal with employee in, with uh, sorry customers either, and customers' no. um, behaviours are probably not new, not really no. settled down yet. No, and I think it's interesting. I had a um, a call with a with an analyst house uh, yesterday that was it was set up about six weeks ago, um, and one of the questions they had, which it was, you know, where do you see your customer experience in the next three to five years? I was like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I you know, everything has completely changed in the last month. Um, 
I and what we had planned we've got to to think about and it's my it's not even necessarily the right time to think about it now because to your point we're, we're not in the new normal um as we start coming out of lockdown that's the point where, where we start to see the new ways of working that that you know will will continue rather than in this very um kind of forced enforced way do we do we think that um as we go into the next announcement, which is probably going to happen over the next three weeks, is going to be very similar to the last three. Um, mm-hmm. Do we then, as do should we, as companies, as in, as in people working in organisations, start to say, okay, we need to to try and influence what the new normal is going to be, rather than be led. Uh, everyone was led by the crisis to start with, and lots of people are being led by doing the right thing for customers, which is has to be um, is 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 great. But at some stage, we need to put a balance. We need to come to a more balanced place as well. Um, as we as Stuart said, you know, people will have to um, make up for the for the for mm-hmm. the um, time they've had as a as a break from financial commitments. Um, people are going to. Um, uh, have to think about how they work going forward. Customers are going to have to think about how they permanently do things in a different way. Um, should we be starting to be proactive on that? Um, what, what's the thought from people? Um, Bilal, what's your thoughts on that? Are, are you thinking that your um, BMW part lane should start now to be proactive on trying to shape the future or even the immediate, the, the here and now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, as we were mentioning earlier, it's the, the survival piece is kind of there, right? Where we've, people are figuring out ways to to survive in this new environment, in this new world, uh, and very much as as Katie had mentioned there, that the new normal is nowhere, nowhere near. So we're, we're not there, not for us, not for our customers, not for our experience. And yeah, absolutely. If we want to stay buoyant, if we want to stay at the forefront, if we want to stay you know, providing the the exemplary level of of experience that we pride ourselves on, then we have to start thinking about what that new normal looks like and how that how that's going to affect us, our people, our business. We're very much, of course, doing the right thing by the customer. At what point, and and it's it's the it's the whole moral standing thing as well, right? At what point does the business start thinking? Well, I need to really now start thinking about what's best for my business. We are businesses, right? Profit isn't a dirty word. We have to think about all of these things. People are scared to mention it now because it's almost like, oh my God, you know, you're trying to make some money. How dare you? Uh, but as a business, we can't survive unless we do that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You have to start thinking about that. That's going to include things like sort of, you know, return phases into work and, you know, rotational shift patterns and, and flexibility for employees. Then at the same time for, for customers, you know, to try and adapt to the way that they're looking at us uh, as a retailer and what their expectations are. Do we now need to start offering, you know, a, an outside of eight to six service? Do we need to start offering weekend services? Do we need to start offering remote advances for customers? All of that kind of stuff that, that or, perhaps... Or do you, or do you, that's a good point. Do you, do you start to say, well, hang on, we're not going to offer that as a business because if we open that door, um, the extended hours, et cetera, then we're going to have to live with that. Um, we, we can't pull it back. So it, it's going to be difficult to decide rationally now what we actually want to take forward. Because as you say, at some point, you put it perfectly, businesses have to go back to making, making a profit. Can I, can I just, um, uh, thank you, Bert. can I just come to you, Lewis? Um, you're doing all that work in Lloyd's at the moment um, um, uh, and looking at um, the future, I guess, is what you were there for. 
how is all this shaping the thinking at Lloyd's? Are they, are they in the point of trying to proactively shape what's going to happen in the future yet or, or still in trying to deal with the crisis? So, yeah, my role is focused on the branch network particularly. So it's very much about how do the face-to-face contact with customers, um, the role that we play uh, in the community, I think, has become more apparent again. So those who could go digital, those who could phone and be happy to do their banking that way have done that. And so we're left with those who really are more reliant on the branch network. Um, I think the branch network, we've seen um, kind of... It's going to has been talked about the fallout of this in a few months' time when people are beginning to understand the consequences this has had on their finances and things like that. We're aware that we will need to start training our branch colleagues on being able to support people in financial stress. Um, whereas in the past, that was probably a relatively small part of their role, um, and mm-hmm. there might be specialists who they would be able to engage to do that. Whereas it probably needs to become a much wider um engage skill that the staff can do it would be interesting to see if um things like you know, branch transaction usage branch usage is declining at about 10 percent a year and has done for many years um th- this has probably accelerated that it would be interesting to see if that volume reduction um you know doesn't come back to the branch network and if so possibly that leaves the colleagues in the branches with um more time to support the remaining people who do still need to come into the branches. Has, has so. the, have you decided as the bank, um, you probably won't be able to answer this, but it's, it's uh, just following my thought. Um, we're all going to, I guess, have to have some key customer behaviours that we now start to measure. Um, so footfall back into the branch is going to be a key measure. Um, but the predictor for that will be how many people are using digital. So are we starting to build that that sort of, set of key customer performance indicators that is going to start to um, help us see where where the future lies is that something you're sort of looking at so i mean we track a lot of things i think the one thing with banking is almost everything is fairly trackable really so yeah i know you track everything but which are you starting to sort of get a, a, a narrow band that you think will be the key the key ones so yes, what I'm coming to, I think, is that there are things that we have seen sharply change and obviously things like usage of cash um, and um, kind of people's traditional sort of typical ways of doing things has changed. Um, whether we see those going back to, to normal or not, um, I think this situation has encouraged us to um, change some of our risk appetites, maybe, so where people could deposit checks on their mobile phones up to a certain limit. We've now doubled that limit, for example. So we're kind of happier to sort of, some of the, some of the uh, concerns that we might have had previously, um, or um, yeah, we're basically becoming a bit more open to those. And I suspect that those will probably stay when we see that actually there hasn't been um, any significantly adverse impact on some of those things. And I think Stuart touched on it as well about having colleagues at home who are talking to customers and you're looking at customer personal information. Um, I mean, the bank has always looked at how we could have call centre workers working remotely at home. And it was always, a, if we don't need to, we probably won't because it just makes it much easier for us to be able to control the environment where they are and who's able to see access onto systems, for example. You know, you don't know who else might be able to see 
the system that someone else is using at home. Yep. Um, and so whilst lots of companies, the AA, have been doing it for a long time, for example, um, when, when, when they're in a crisis, they immediately have a network of um, call centre operatives who can sign on online on home and, and double their workforce very quickly uh, as a kind of contingency measure. But it was something the bank had not really uh, tried to do. Um, so I think it's possibly pushed some of those uh, mm. boundaries a little bit. I think, like Stuart said, we maybe find specific tasks that they could do. So it might be around doing more um, social media interaction or email um, a direct message chat as opposed to doing kind of calls um, and that we're finding the we're able to redeploy our branch staff um, who have access to those systems to be able to do some more of the call activity um, and we've been able to multi-skill a lot of staff so a lot of our mortgage advisors um, and lending advisors are currently supporting our business banking uh, teams now because um, I think we're kind of under a lot of criticism for how small a number of um, businesses have been able to access the government's lending yeah. through the banks. Um, and, and there's a massive um, sort of backlog there to, to be helped. So we've been very quick at re redeploying um, staff to do that. And um, you know, the bank has been trying to get hold of as many laptops as I'm sure as many other companies have to be able to enable these uh, colleagues to work, work remotely. And I, th I think a lot of those things, that flexibility that I think we probably accelerated in the workforce might be one of the things that stays in the future that you you have multi-skilled your staff you've proved that they can can manage things yeah it, 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 it all that thank you Lewis all that demonstrates how um, uh, how this has affected so many people that one couldn't have predicted we're going to have a problem coming back to J James's point um, and Stuart as well um, and for, for many people on the financial side of things um, some of the um, and for them and the B2B space, some of the companies are going to be under financial pressure. You just could not have predicted they're going to be under that pressure because this is such a random thing um, that there's a lot of people that are going to be talking to the bank, talking to uh, home group um, who are not used to being under this sort of financial pressure. Um, and that's almost completely random depending on what industry you're in. Um, it's going to put a lot of people in a very different position and for years and years and years, we've all been talking in this group about a, uh, the need for an organization to be um, um, agile, not as in uh, perhaps using the official agile, but how that, you know, that agility being such a, a key element. And it probably it's going to accelerate that more than anything. Uh, Rob, Rob um, perhaps I can come to you. How are you, um, how are you holding up? What's, have you, are you still there? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. right. Sorry, yeah. my my screen just went all funny. Um, yeah, so did mine actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, it must be down to you then. Um, how are things going with you? I mean, your industry, your industry. You talked last time about having to furlough a lot of people, and that your industry couldn't have couldn't have seen this happening. Of all the industries to have this hit it, um, it, it sort of came out of the blue. But also now there's a possibility that your industry will be one of the first to get back up and running. So how are you finding things on the, from your employees, but also from um, how you think this might pick up? Are all those buildings still ready and waiting for you to go back and start to, 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 um, uh, to finish off? Or are people pulling back? What, what's the situation? Okay. So it's a very long question, Carl. But, uh...
fitting back to work um, and suppliers are opening up more and subcontractors are more likely to come back to um, our projects that are open. Obviously, a number of those are still clients of employees. Um, we've got we've got three camps really. We've got the people that uh, are working and are doing like many other people have mentioned around the around the, the, the table, um, working like maniacs to some extent and really working hard and getting stuck in and and multi shifting and multi skilling as well. Um, and there's some plus sides to that and some downsides, obviously. Um, we've got the people who um, are furloughed, uh, and some of those uh, are now. I think there's some issues with with that that wasn't apparent two weeks ago. I think now that the, you know a week of doing that, two weeks of doing that was fine. Three weeks, four weeks, six weeks is becoming quite. It's interesting um, uh, how we how we're starting to see now. Not only um, we're starting to see a, we're starting to see things that are definitely building up. I think we're starting to get a view now on the things that are building up, the the issues that are that are starting to build. Um, uh, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Let let's have a quick show round, um, perhaps with you as well, um, Ollie and Nigel. Um, what do we think of? Um, the issues on the employee to start with that are now building up that are gonna we need to be aware of um let's just quick quickly go around everybody um so let's start with phil with the headband because i do like that headband phil um my hairs aren't growing the screen apologies yeah one of the challenges is my managers have all of a sudden become people overnight what um i know uh right um, so we used to measure in things like roll what do you do for us and how well do you do that thing? And now I know Edwin's star sign. I know his middle name. I know things about his family. I think uh, one of the challenges is when we get back is these will be different people in a, in a boardroom with me on a one-to-one. And I think that's a real challenge when we get back to our people who have become more than just um, head of training or QA support or whatever role and function they delivered for me and the organization. They were, of course, we're always people, but, the last three, four weeks, they've become more than just those roles, right? That'll be a challenge. Wow, that's an interesting one. Stuart, on the people front, what do you think is the, the thing that's building up? Uh, well, I think, you know, mental well-being has to be the, you know, the, the big focus. I mean, for, for many people, what, we're week three into isolation. Uh, and, and I mean isolation rather than just homework. And homeworking has, you know, pros and cons and, and lots of people have got experience of homeworking but but being isolated from friends and family uh you know locked down uh, so to speak um has has many more challenges right and i, and I think that you know we're going to see people um really struggling to deal with that as time progresses because you know no, no doubt we're already seeing seeing some managers and, and how Stuart? um I, I i doubt you're really good at this um but how are those, um, how are you starting to spot that? Um, how's it, how's it um, what's the word I'm looking for? How's it um, presenting itself? Well, I mean, I, the, the initial signs is just simply one of energy. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, obviously, depending on, on, on who you are and your psychology, you get energy from different things. But, you know, most extroverts will get energy from other people and their interaction from other people. And if you're not having that interaction, 
then that will suck energy out of you. And you'll see that. You know, we see that daily when we interact in, even over hangouts with people uh, you know, on video conference every day. Uh, you can see the, the lifeblood sucking out of them. So they're, they're becoming less uh, enigmatic, less animated, less passionate. Um, you know, they're just getting drained. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they, um, those people fill it. Uh, so bye, Phil. I see you got to go. Cheers, Phil. Um, it'll be interesting, Stuart, if um, um, those people start to get the energy from somewhere else. Um, I had this discussion with with, with another group, um, and they were definitely seeing that the um, uh, for those that type of people, um, there, things were coming into conversation they wouldn't expect. Like, well, a group of my friends are saying this. And you suddenly think, well, hang on, a group of friends have got an influence rather than the manager having influence. So that, that, that's interesting. Um, let's put some people, Katie, from, from the employee side of things, what do you think is the, 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 the thing that's building up that you're most concerned with? Is it well-being? Well, what, what is it? Anything different to add? Uh, I think what was interesting to me was people's view of the Easter break. So before Easter, um, we had a lot of people's, you know, and I'd been saying, still take your holiday you know don't necessarily take a whole week off because I can understand a whole week sitting around the house is a bit dull but think about long weekends and, and they're all like yeah yeah all right yeah okay um and Vodafone have said that they will not be allowing holiday to be carried over any more than usual you know we are all capable we're not key workers we're all capable obviously there'll be some exceptions but we are all capable of of taking our holiday um, so yes, yeah, so my team had all been a little bit, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, and without exception, they all came back after Easter and went, yeah, you may have had a point. Yes, we might start taking some long weekends. And it was so nice to switch off. I had the Thursday off as well. So I had five days off and yes, the weather helped, but I felt like I'd been on holiday. Um, and I think there was that appreciation that, that just cause you're working from home and, and just cause you can't go and do anything with, with your leave actually it is important to, to still take some and, and switch off um, and I think probably with the lockdown being extended as well we will start to see people do more of that I mean I know I've got a five-day week next week and then I don't think I work another five-day week for about three weeks because I've just got odd days off for different things um, and it was just Easter was just lovely and I think everyone came back but at the same time you know I also have friends not colleagues uh, who are living on their own and they were really the thought of going into the Easter weekend was a real struggle for them to think of like four days with yeah. no regular interaction with no work. And, and so it's really interesting. I think, you know, there's this recognition that, you know, for some people work is, is what's keeping them going. And I, and I also think that's, you know, I was actually having a conversation today with um, sort of the business manager of our CEO and we, we were talking about this and it's how far, do we go as a company to recognize and support people living on their own? You know, should we be, should we be singling them out as a group? Should we be trying to do extra stuff? Or is that, is that a bit of an overreach in terms of sort of pastoral care? It's interesting. It's really interesting, Katie, because before this all happened, um, we, I put together something on, on um, uh, taking time out at work. Now we're no longer at work. But um, when I was thinking about that, of how important it is for all of us to take even five minutes um, during the day or different periods during the day to take some time out to recharge our batteries, um, 
your environment is the one of the ones I was thinking about because it's a very competitive environment. I don't know if you realize that, um, but from an outsider looking in, it's a very competitive environment, very full on. You know, you've got lots of people in there that are highly motivated. You know, they, they run and all this stuff, you see it around the place. And yeah. so it's very really difficult. Uh, to, I'm, I'm really interested how they, those people are working at home um, because that competitiveness at home is, mm, could be difficult. No, no ability to turn it off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it, it's good. Some of these things, like I was talking about earlier, that have come out from our CEO. And, and I have to say, our, our CEO that's been in since, since September for our, our kind of Vodafone business um, is absolutely the sort of person you want to work for, and especially in these sort of times. You know, he is, he's really pitching everything, you know, really well. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, it was interesting, again, talking to um, my peers and my manager in a team meeting about some of this. And, you know, they, and they were sort of saying, oh, but sometimes we need to put a meeting in. And, and I said, the problem is everyone thinks they've got an exception. And if everyone is the exception to the meeting that can go in over lunchtime or that can go in on a Wednesday mornings, before you know it, every lunchtime and every Wednesday morning, you're back to back again. Yep. So I said, it, everyone needs to very much take that personal responsibility for you know, I will not put a meeting in unless I really have no other option. And then I will make sure with all the other attendees that they are all right with me doing that. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Ollie. Uh, oh, yes. My screen's gone funny. Ollie, how, how are you doing? Um, uh, you know, you, you're working at Secondment at the moment. I can't, forgive me, I can't remember the name of the company. Um, and that's in the B2B environment. And how, how is that? How's that going? How are they being affected? Firstly, talking about the challenges, um, I think we've talked a lot about the short-term challenges, which actually will turn into opportunities, many of them. Um, getting to know each other, not maybe a challenge, but gosh, isn't it going to be a better environment if we know the colleagues that we're working with, know what drives them, what motivates them, and how to work more collaboratively with them. Um, but one of the longer-term challenges that I think needs to be considered is with the furlough, Companies are going to realise that they can operate with not so many people and deliver the same amount. And how many of these companies will then say, well, do we need these people? And will redundancy follow furlough? I think perhaps not long-term thinking companies might look at an opportunity of, of making people redundant. But that's something that should be considered. The company where I'm working is called Sheffield Insulation Group, SIG, which is categorised as one of the um, key businesses in the UK so it's allowed to keep its doors open but a new CEO took over our company in February and he's taken the decision to close the doors so he's looking at a short-term opportunity to furlough most of the staff in order to preserve our coffers so that when we come out the other side of COVID then we can use that wisely that's his strategy I probably wouldn't have gone for that I would have looked to get more customers uh, and be the last people to turn the lights off in, in the building trade, but he hasn't. In the specific part that I'm working, which is IT, um, we're looking to do a transformation programme, and actually we haven't furloughed any of our people in IT, because what the CIO is saying is, whilst people aren't in work, what a great opportunity to do change in the business. Nobody's using the system, so let's take that opportunity and make lots of changes, so when they come back, all we've got to do is train them on the new changes. And so it hasn't really affected what I'm doing personally. Uh, although our transformation is coming to an end, 
um, and it's to be seen whether we'll do a new one or not. Yeah, it, it, mm, it's interesting. Oh, oh, Ollie, Ollie, can I, Carl, can I, I'd like yeah, to just add, add to that. I mean, Ali, I think the fur, from a furlough perspective, you, you talk about you know, redundancies. Um, I, I think they, um, yeah, it all, it, it, it all depends an awful lot about what the government does, actually. Because um, if the government extends the furlough scheme, then I think people will be naturally extending the furlough scheme while businesses get back on their feet. But if the government fail, or do not, fail is the wrong word, decide not to extend the furlough scheme, then I think a number of businesses in particular are still in a very, very vulnerable position and they may be forced to, to make some of those people who are furloughed then redundant because they just can't afford to bring them back in until they're up and running. So I think there's definitely a risk on that. And I guess to build on that further, I mean, people are thinking the next you know, three months, six months, nine months, in reality, if you look at how much money the government is spending on this show, forty billion in three months, um, you know this and, and yeah, GDP forecast of what thirty five percent down. Um, you know, th- this financially is going to affect the economy for probably or easily the next decade, ten years. This is not a short term issue. This is going to affect businesses and economics for 10 years plus, right? And therefore, to your point, you know, we are a long, long way from really understanding the full impact of this pandemic. Yeah, I absolutely agree, sir. I said it at the start. I mean, that's why I also said over the history of what we've been doing together as a group, we had the, we had the financial crash. This is, from that perspective, it's a very similar thing. I know that the dynamics of it are different and the reasons for it are very different. But we've got to think about it for a long time. And if you combine that, especially in the service arena, with a, if, if we get a big move to self and assisted service because people are more used to digital, um, we've had lots of occasions people doing things um, remotely and self-service that they would never have done before, um, then you, we could see a really big, a really good, a big impact. I'm interested, Nigel, were you able to uh, join us? For the I am, yes, yeah, hi, Carl. Hi, Nigel. Um, good, to, good to talk to you. Remind me, were, some time ago, were you involved with HSBC with something to do with helping people, bringing them whole, their whole selves to work? Am I right about that? Yes, you're right about that. Yes. So, so this must be um, an amazing opportunity. As Phil was saying earlier, we are going to know people and some of our people we're working with in a completely different way. I was wondering about your sort of reflections on that and what it might do for the workplace. No, so, so, so I think you're absolutely right. It, 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 it all, all of a sudden absolutely transforms the manager or that person at the end of the desk who you probably didn't know that well to somebody who actually you've seen what their spare bedroom looks like and the colour of the curtains. So, so it absolutely does, it does make a difference. I think, I think there's an interesting part that we actually, we've kind of, we've touched on a little bit around talking about furlong. Uh, employees but not really explored which I think we, we've, we've just got to and again my apologies because I know I'm speaking to the great and the good in, on the panel today but it, it's a very much a case of when we when the when the norm does come back if and when it does come back how do we bring those that are furloughed now back into that organization without them feeling completely lost and adrift and how are we maintaining that connection 
with those that are furloughed now. So, so you kind of think, right, okay, and, and Stuart, I'll use you as an example, but I'm sure this isn't happening in Atom, but it would be very easy to close one department down, whether that be the mortgage department, and say, right, okay, we don't need to worry about mortgages for the next three or four months because we've got to get through the immediate crisis and work on our risk strategy and how we'll sort out payment holidays going forward. But it's that how are we keeping those that are furloughed truly engaged in the business and up to speed with what's happening so that when they come back, um, they're not feeling lost and adrift. I, I guess it's a, it's a little bit like, <laughs> and I have never done this, so apologies to any ladies that are on the on the panel but it's like how do you how do you get better at helping people that have had long career breaks or coming back from maternity leave back into that workplace and get them back in um when when things do become that more norm so i think i think that's something that we probably if we're not already dealing with and thinking about it's probably worth bobbing back on the radar carl yeah good i like that that's a really good one um rob are you able to rejoin us um because that 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 engaging with people that are furloughed or you're just not being able to employ i'm thinking about your subcontractor community are you doing anything to reach out to those people now during this period uh yeah so hopefully you can hear me now um yes thank you so so we're doing um we're doing a number of things uh in lots of communication with them um at lots of levels both with sort of um written email letters and and, and what have you but also um lots of briefings on site um, to reinforce reinforce the rules partly um, and to try and keep motivation going really um, there you know, as, as I was saying before there's there's two camps of people there's people that want to be there and people that don't and some of those people don't want to be there because they don't believe it's morally right in terms of spreading the disease and some of them see their colleagues at home um, possibly with their feet up but um, yeah being furloughed and they want a bit of that as well so um, it's it, it's quite it, it it's it gets it's it's quite um, it's a very pressurised area at the minute. Our projects um, there's lots of people trying to do things, but getting stopped at every every sort of turn really. So you, so you, so materials aren't turning up. Um, you can't work two people close together, so a lot of the trades can't get on with a number of the jobs because um, it requires two or more people to do them. Um, so it's people are getting quite um, frustrated and quite angry, um, and that's that's boiling over at times, which um, is it's something we're trying to contain, obviously, and trying to um, deal with that in terms of briefings and in terms of communication, but some people don't want to listen to that. Um, so it's it's difficult. It's it's tough. Yeah, I, I that, that's an interesting point actually. Um, I don't know if, if everybody um, looks at different articles on LinkedIn and things that are being discussed. Um, uh, tempers are getting frayed. Opinions are getting very um, uh, a lot stronger, um, and it's not doing anyone any good. Um, and I'm sure there's there's over the coming three weeks unless it's carefully managed, uh, probably like it is with, with you guys and uh, especially with Stuart and people, unless, you, unless, you, unless we manage that, I think there's an opportunity, as Ollie is quite right, to build some relationships, in, in stronger relationships, um, uh, but there's also some opportunity for, for some relationships to go the wrong way. And um, as somebody mentioned, I can't remember who, um, 
that different types of people are going to struggle in different ways. Um, and some people will be very quiet at the moment um, and are probably harboring some problems uh, for when they come back into the office. Um, what, what type? Uh, I was, yeah. Okay. Next time, perhaps we'll, we'll think about the type of people from the employee. So employee experience has changed beyond recognition um, during this period. The question is, is it going to go back to where, where it was? Um, how are we going to adapt to the new piece? Um, and how are we going to do that also for, for customers? So I guess, um, okay, so we still, from, from now on, if people need to get off the call, then um, by all means, uh, feel free to do so. But I think it would be good, you know, for those that are left just to keep chatting through things um, uh, and of issues that, that, we, that we're thinking about. Um, one of the ones I'm still unsure about is um, uh, the support we're giving to people, to employees. So um, there's a nagging piece somewhere in my mind that um, is that people are being put into different situations and without a good connection with them, we don't know how, how many problems we're storing up for when we come back. Um, should we be as managers now um, actually trying to be proactive on that um, and telling, start to communicate with people, are things going to go back to normal or are they going to be different when we come back? Because some people will be craving normality. Other people will be thinking they like the new world. Views on that? Well, I think to pick up on your point there about people liking the new world, I think what's going to be really interesting is that there's working from home, depending on the type of person that you are and obviously the type of role uh, that you do, um, is actually quite liberating. And it does give you a lot of freedom. You know, it's the, oh, I'll do this, oh, and I'll quickly nip down and I'll, I'll, I'll put the dishwasher on. Um, and I'll get a cup of coffee and I'll do that. I might be working the longer hours, slightly longer hours, but I will be still being productive, still doing what I was doing before. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is that when, if we do go back to normal, i.e. pre-COVID-19, and those freedoms or those sense of freedoms are taken away from them, is that going to be an opportunity to build up resentment? Or, or, I, or this, is, this is my point, or I could replay that to you, um, where there are people, I know, I know some of them, that are finding this hell. Um, because... Um, they 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 crave routine they crave familiarity they crave um as i think uh, Stuart said earlier they they crave the contact with others uh, they crave the, the the gossip and the interaction with other people and so this is a work this is this is hell for them um you've also got a whole lot of managers that um all their methods of control are slowly disappearing out the window I mean, from my perspective uh, on that, uh, Carl, is, is it's not so much the routine, although you're, I think you're absolutely right, some people will crave routine, but I think you could probably build a routine into working remotely than you can in the office. So I'm not sure that's really the issue. But operationally for me, there's a massive difference from having the team together and working than, than remote. You know, serving customers is a really challenging task, right? I think people don't appreciate doing that all day long and when you have a great call and a great experience you know you want to share that with people next year when you have a really poor experience you want to talk about it to the people next year right it, it all works because you're in it together you feel it you feel the energy you feel that from people around you right 
And you just do not get that when you're sat at home on your own. You just don't, right? And selfishly, as a chief operating officer, I feel almost a fake, right? So, yeah, I spend all day talking to people and on video conferences, engaging and trying to drive performance and all the things you normally do. But actually, it's nothing like being in the office. In the office, I was either in meetings, I was dealing with customers, or even if I was sat at my desk, I would have a stream of people come in, sharing stuff, talking about stuff, asking stuff. Or if I needed, I could get off the chair and I'd go and ask someone. That Just that level of interaction is nowhere. Right? You don't have that. It's not the meetings. The meetings are fine. You can have meetings over video as you can, sat around a room. But it's that level of in, in, in true engagement just doesn't exist. So for me, the faster we can get to people back in the office, operationally, the better. I'm not sure what the new norm is. I don't think there is going to be a norm. I don't think there's going to be a norm for some time. I don't even know what norm actually means anymore, right? Um, but I, and I think for, and it will vary, even in, in Atom, I'm sure there'll be people who will continue working from home and do other things. That's great. But operationally, it is undoubtedly better if we're all back in the office. Yeah, I think, I think I'm a great believer in, um, in the momentum of things and um, that we don't have as much control over things as we like to think we have. So call centres still exist, right? People have been trying to break away from call centres, from the cost of call centres for, for years and haven't managed to do it. And that's perhaps because behaviourally and as, as people, you're quite right, we like, to, we like a lot of people like to sit in groups and work together and have all that communication, all that interaction. Um, it, it's it, it's the way things have been. So I, I uh, it'll be we, so we don't. I think we can get carried away with some of the predictions. And I think someone was saying earlier. I think it might be you, Katie. Um, I saw something come out from Mackenzie um, about the future. I think it's Mackenzie, and um, I just laughed. I thought there's no way you can be sorry. This is this is such a fundamental change that you can't be thinking and really have any idea. Once you get, as you say, so all the people's behaviour and personal preferences and all that stuff, that will, that will have a massively driving uh, force into how things shape in the future. So yeah, I mean, it, I think, I think um, you know, if I think about, you know, my team um, and my, I guess my extended team, I think it's going to be a mixture is what, is what we're going to go back to. There are quite a few of us that have a long commute, you know, sort of an hour plus to get to the office. Um, and I think for, for those, what we'll probably end up doing is doing two or three days a week from home. Um, but we all absolutely recognise the fact we like being in the office as well. I, I, I don't think anyone is going to be, oh, no, I want to completely stay at home and never come to the office. I think people will work from home more. Um, but, but I think there, were, well, there are people, you know, I've, I've, got, um, so I've got a guy that joined my team six weeks ago. So he managed to do a couple of weeks in the office meeting people. Um, and he said to me today, you know, what's your view? When do you think, when do you think we'll be going back into the office? He said, oh, you know, I really want to, to get into the office. And I said, realistically, I think Vodafone is going to be very cautious about going back into the office because we don't need to be there. Um, I certainly don't think we'll be back in the office until schools have gone back. Um, you know, I think it will be June at the earliest. And I think we'll, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. And then, and then I think it'll be interesting whether, whether they'll, they'll end up creating policies around this, which kind of stipulate uh, oh, it. That's just what I was, I, I will smile to myself, Katie. Don't That's like just policies. what I was thinking. Vodafone will have, will have policies around it. Um, yeah. 
um, which is in, in a way is a shame because what you've just talked about there would be interesting if if you know a lot of people in your sort of environment are working four days in the office one day at home uh, will that change to three and two um, but also there's need there is going to be a need for people that have just joined the business etc to to come into the office it'll be shame it'll be a shame if policies take over mm. but anyway. I, sus- I suspect there will be policies i mm. that you know this won't this won't shift away from that <laughs> yeah well jonathan it, so your your invite your hmm, what's going to happen with with where you, will it just go back to where you were um as the rest of the people go back to work what happens i've just thought about what happens if the environment changes and your sanctuary at home because your children are at school and your wife is is working um away from the house that could change the dynamics for you just as much as it does everybody else if more people are working at home no i think there's there's two sides of this actually one is are you off tim bye tim good to speak to you one, Carry on, Jonathan. One, one is actually you get used to people being around because, and suddenly you're going to have actually, I won't have kids around and my wife won't be here. And suddenly you've gone from a very noisy house to a very, very quiet house. And that could be quite disturbing. And it has happened to me in the past going, oh, what's happening? And you know, after a couple of days of actually enjoying the silence, suddenly it's, it's, intimidating it's you you are actually are you suddenly go to that which i think is the worst i mean lots of people are are finding at the moment is isolating on your own um and i think that is going to be a challenge in its own right i think um but in the scheme of things it's not a big thing um i think we it's not a big thing in the scheme of things because we've done it we've been we've experienced it it'll change the environment um yes the world will have changed i i'm intrigued by from from a customer perspective, I'm intrigued how that's going to, you know, how that's going to change at the moment. My company is doing very well because people are being forced to be at home and they're doing stuff online, so therefore buying stuff. We get to that point, you know, lucky 50% of my customers are stateside, so we're going to get to a point where that's going to change. Business is going to go under, and how is that going to happen? What's how's that going to impact? Uh, you know, the sales let's let's cut through it cut you know how's that going to import the sales and therefore how's that going to go through to how do we help them so that's that's yeah. the unknown which is what Stuart was saying earlier that, yeah everyone's economy is going to shrink yeah uh, with all the ramifications that has um at the moment we're seeing specific pieces being affected but then i guess it will move into a more general just like a normal financial uh, uh, crisis of that nature where the general economy shrinks and people, um, yeah, will not be coming back to work in, at some points. So it's, it's change. It's a, it's a change. It's, it's a minor change. Um, things will, will adapt as we all do. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Um, I think um, uh, we'll probably wrap it up there unless anyone's got anything else they want to, to chip in with. Um, one of the things I was thinking of doing, Stuart, while you're still on, is remember we did that piece about um, the maturity of employee experience um, and digital, where we did lots of interviews with people. Um, you did a video for us, and we did a, a QOE type session. We brought it all into into um, into a report at the end. Vodafone backed it. Do you remember doing that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I'm, I've had I've just got that open. I'll 
send it out to everybody because I, I'm thinking of um, using that as a basis for trying to work out how that employee experience is, um, is changing in this, in this environment because all the component parts of it are there and it'll be interesting to see, to use that as, a, as we found with this conversation, there's so many things going on now. Um, I was thinking about trying to use that as to give us a, a basic model to um, try and map how these things have changed and, and, and um, what we should be doing about it. So I'll send it out to you. Have a look at it. It'll be worth having a look at. Thank you, everybody. Bye. 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 A huge thank you to all of our panellists for generously sharing their insights into how businesses are planning and adapting to the next phase of the coronavirus situation. And thank you too for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Experience Cast and to get an experience of the QOE online debate. If you'd like to find out more about what we do at the QOE and also find out how you can participate in one of our online debates, just visit theqoe.com where you can find more details about our coaching, short courses, workshops, group discussions and other ways that we can support you in your work. Don't forget that we debate your questions on Experience Cast, so if you have a question you'd like us to explore, please send it to us by going to thekoe.com and clicking on Ask Us a Question. Thanks and enjoy the rest of your day.